Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. What no one knew was that although 555 people got saved, there was one who was still lost. It was me. Mm -hmm. No one knew that the first time I saw you that Easter, that week, was at church because I was staying in a hotel because of our fighting. Mm -hmm. No one knew it. And I remember walking off the stage, everyone's winning. Let's post the numbers. Let's da-da-da-da-da. And I went back to the green room and I cried my eyes out and I said, I can't do this anymore. We believe that the best gospel that you can live and exemplify is one that is of a healthy, thriving marriage. But that has not always been our story. I couldn't keep up with who I pretended to be. The shame overshadowed and masked reality. This marriage is awful. I want a divorce. I began to abuse alcohol. I was overwhelmed with rage. Here I am, a pastor, preaching sermons that are supposed to set someone free, but yet I felt bound myself. You don't have to live in the pain that you've been living in. Help was so close. It was so close. Join us as we unravel our story of addiction, redemption, and triumph in our marriage. This is our story. I mean, it all started from a very young age. Mm -hmm. uh, my dad was the prison warden uh, at the Maryland State Penitentiary. Uh, so, you know, he ruled with kind of that iron fist, like you didn't cross him, you, you know, uh, he was at work all the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, we used to go down to church in uh, an area uh, that was like in the inner city, if you will, and do sh a lot of street ministry and a lot of, uh, you know, helping the poor and helping, uh, you know, those who were less fortunate. Mm -hmm. And I remember my parents having this thought of being called to full-time ministry. Mm -hmm. And I literally was like, we're in church already all the time. Like, yeah. what does full-time ministry mean? And I had no idea that God was writing on their heart a vision for what became their mm -hmm. church, Living Waters Worship Center. Uh, ministry, it was almost like back then to me, what I made up is ministry was more important than family. Mm -hmm. And it's not that we didn't have a good family life, but ministry and family life were just blended. Yeah. So I thought that that's the way it's supposed to be. When our ministry was winning, our family was winning. Mm -hmm. When our ministry was losing, our family was losing. So I grew up with this, now that I know, false expectation. Mm -hmm. That ministry life meant you didn't deal with real life mm. until real life started happening. And I remember kind of real life happening for my parents, mm -hmm. but they kind of shielded us from fights. Mm -hmm. They kind of shielded us from dysfunction, if you will. Mm -hmm. You know, we were so busy helping everyone else. Now that I know 
we were neglecting us. Yeah. And I think that started me down this path of perfection. Hmm. When brokenness started to be revealed in us both, mm-hmm. I didn't know how to fix it. Because the first thing of fixing it is being honest with it. And how are you going to be honest as a pastor? People who were honest got in ministry trouble. I remember asking you, like, you mean you would say this out loud, Jimmy? Like, you're going to get fired, aren't you? Like, that was something that yeah. I just thought would happen if we got real. I was hurt. Yeah. I was broken. My insecurity showed up uh, in our family. Mm-hmm. My insecurity showed up. And then when I am uh, medicating with food, mm-hmm. my weight went out of control. Yeah. Remember, it went from like 300 yeah. to 350 to 400 in a matter of like a year. Yeah. Gain 100 pounds in a year. I was unhealthy. And the crazy thing is, uh-huh. is church people were telling me I looked good. They Remember how mad you get? I would get so angry. <laughs> I'm like, why are they lying to you? Like trying to pump your head up, trying to validate you when that wasn't even the truth. Like you weren't in a healthy place. And it broke my heart to see the impact that your relationship with your mom had on you, like the manifestation was your anger, your moodiness, and your um, beginning to medicate with more with food. The more unhappy you got with your emotional uh, connection with your mom, the more weight you gained. Yeah. And uh, it went unaddressed for yeah. so long. And just watching you um, self-destruct, yeah. for lack of a better word, was really painful. And to be honest, I felt like me and the kids got the brunt did. of your anger about your inability to meet your mom's expectations. The, you guys and the staff. Yeah. Everyone who was close to me. And I, and I, I just had this thought. We had no fun. Yeah. It's no fun being 420 pounds. Right. It's no fun, you know, not being able to take off your shirt in public. Mm-hmm. Like I couldn't take off my shirt in public because I couldn't be real with myself in private. Yeah. I didn't like me, mm-hmm. but I wanted everyone else to like me. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of guys were born with this thing to conquer and we're born with this, you know, it can be a quality. Uh, in some areas, but to win. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, because I felt like I wasn't winning, Mm -hmm. I started overcompensating. So I'd find the areas that I was good at and just, I'm gonna crush it in those areas. Mm -hmm. So I don't have to acknowledge the areas that I suck at Mm -hmm. or the areas that I'm bad at. Mm -hmm. And so I overcompensated Hmm. in church. I was winning there. I could preach to thousands, but couldn't talk to the four who lived in my house. Because when I would come home, I would have to face the reality that I wasn't winning at the right thing. Mm-hmm. Who wants to face that? That was me. Mm-hmm. And my medicating became success. My medicating was food. And I want to pause right here because this food addiction thing is real. It is. And I remember you asking me, on Fridays, where are we gonna eat? And what you didn't know is me growing up, Mm -hmm. we had nothing. And Fridays was my dad's payday. And Friday was Chinese food night. Yeah. 
and it was shrimp egg foo young. And it was just like shrimp and this egg yeah. with this gravy. Oh and I don't even God. like eggs. Right. What I had no idea is I would crave that same thing mm-hmm. every Friday, especially when I was losing. Because Friday was like payday. Mm-hmm. And I remember after preaching, it's payday. Let's get shrimp egg foo young. Mm. I remember I after, that. you know, uh, uh, even getting tax return. What are we going to eat? Shrimp egg foo young. I was trying to feed something mm-hmm. from who I used to be. And the external weight was an indication of the internal weight. Mm-hmm. Emotional trauma, emotional issues, you know, growing up with ADD. Let me, let yeah, me, let me throw the H in there. How about, about like ADHD? Yeah. I had yes. to be doing something. And that showed up even in our marriage, trying to fix everything, trying to, I could not rest and have peace that mm-hmm. God was in control. I had to be in control mm-hmm. because I didn't know who I was when there was not a crowd. Right. I didn't know who I was when there wasn't a congregation or there wasn't a staff. Mm-hmm. I think it was toxic. Mm-hmm. I think the success in the crowds mm-hmm. and the accolades yeah. and the followers mm-hmm. uh, was toxic. And this is really before Instagram and all that was a really a big deal. Mm-hmm. It was you know, man, you preached a good message. Pastor, can you pray for me? Yeah. It was the need to be needed. Hmm. And when I had this need to be needed, when I wasn't needed, I didn't know who I was. I didn't realize when you have the mindset or this ideology of a need to be needed, you don't know who you are when no one is around. Wow. And I would always try to avoid not, I would always try to avoid being alone because mm-hmm. I had to deal with the fact that I don't know who I am Yeah. outside of what I do. Outside of what you do. I, I had this <laughs> thought that worshiping God was working for God. And I didn't really have a true intimate relationship with Jesus leading a church. Right. It's even embarrassing to say. Hmm. I, ca- I got caught up in the profession, not the presence of God. Wow. The profession of doing things for God. Mm-hmm. So this occupational hazard of a bad marriage, I didn't know who I was. And I remember saying, okay, if I leave Irene, I lose my job. If I stay married to Irene, I'm gonna lose my mind. And then I'm gonna lose my job. So which was I going to do? In my mind, I would rather leave ministry Mm -hmm. than work at family. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Uh, we, we always say this, that, you know, when someone is dealing with an addiction, the whole family is dealing with the addiction. Right. Right. I, I had addictions. Mm-hmm. I was addicted to negative thoughts. It resulted in negative words and negative words resulted in me walking out things that I was speaking over myself. Yeah. This marriage ain't never going to work. This you're never going to change. I'm never going to. I am who I am. Who says that? I just got so tired of being fake and phony. Mm-hmm. I can't do nothing now but be real. Mm-hmm. And I think where things started to go wrong is this thought. I was so busy <laughs> trying to not be something that I didn't know what God was calling me to be. And so here I am leading, not knowing why, how, 
didn't know how to say I need help. And the same thing was playing out in our relationship. Yeah. The, the go-to was anger. Yeah. I'm just gonna cuss. Mm -hmm. I'm just gonna punch a hole in the wall. I'm just gonna drive fast. I'm just gonna leave the house. I am gonna take my kickball and go home so I don't have to deal with me. So here we are hurting internally. Our emotions are all over the place because we're in pain from uh, the wound of the relational issues with your mom. Then we are uh, leading this church. We have our own issues where we've introduced alcohol and compromised our value system. Relationship is deteriorating at this point. It's Easter Sunday. Talk a little bit about the dichotomy <laughs> of Sunday, Easter Sunday, and what was really going on behind the scenes. Well, my relationship with my parents was fractured. My relationship with you was fractured. All at the same time, the church is exploding. We do a huge Easter 2012. Yeah. It's the first year of being a lead pastor. Our church grew from 250 people to over 1,200 people. We're going to do Easter. We're going to do it at the high school. We do it at the high school. 3,000 people show up. Another 3,000 outside at this Easter egg hunt that I was told that that's what I should be doing. And here I am. I've reached the pinnacle of success. What no one knew was that although 555 people got saved, there was one who was still lost. It was me. No one knew that the first time I saw you that Easter, that week, was at church because I was staying in a hotel because of our fighting. No one knew it. And I remember walking off the stage, everyone's winning. Let's post the numbers. Let's da 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 da. And I went back to the green room and I cried my eyes out and I said, I can't do this anymore. And that was when I sent uh, our pastor, one of our overseers, a letter and said everything. And I realized it was the first time I was a hundred percent honest and real with anybody, mm -hmm. including myself. What was the outcome of that? I found that being a hundred percent honest resulted in a hundred percent grace. Wow. And that's when we landed on the ideas that I would always be as sick as my secrets. And I remember having the biggest speaking opportunity like of my ministry career. And I was so tired of being, of pretending and being phony, I called and said, I can't come. Yeah. That was Pastor Rick's church. Yeah. And I remember calling him and saying, hey, things are bad. And he says, oh, I know. And he's like, Jimmy, you're always complaining. He was like, Jimmy, and I was like, whoa. And he said this, he said, I'm tired of hearing you complaining about things you have the ability to fix. And he said to me, you will never have the wife you want until you learn to love the wife you have. And I just paused. And I said, well, how do I do that? How do I love this person? And I started going down all the things that you were doing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's when, if I'm honest, I started to get this idea of maybe I'm the blueprint for your healing.
you'll never have the wife you want until you learn to love the wife you have. Wow. Mm-hmm. I have to love our marriage right where it is. I have to love you right where you are. I have to love me right where I am. The preacher in me was now gonna live out the greatest message he's ever preached. (laughs) It's called a healthy marriage. And that's when we began the road to repair. We were going to counseling, you know, three times a week. Mm -hmm. We went to two weeks of an intensive that we had one of the biggest fights that we've ever had. A marriage intensive. A marriage intensive. Remember, it was so bad, I went and got another hotel room. Yeah. And we had no money. Like, we had nothing. (laughs) Uh, I remember calling my dad like, this is over. And he's like, no, this is a part of the process. Right. And so going through uh, that sabbatical, I started getting hope Mm -hmm. that maybe we can recover. Yeah. going through that sabbatical, I started not to miss ministry. Mm -hmm. Going through that sabbatical, I think God began to change my appetite Mm -hmm. for what I lived for. Didn't live for the applause of people. I remember you saying at one of the counseling sessions, you says, no one is a man of God until their family can say it. I'm telling you, I remember that moment. I remember I was like, literally until I can say and speak to your character and who you are at home. Yeah. Like that's, don't believe any any of the hype, don't believe what you hear on stage or what anybody else tells you until you hear me say it, it's not real. Yeah. Because I'm the one that lives with you. Yeah. And so I remember going through all of those sessions and, and, dealing with my stuff and, um, you know, uh, just really trying not to medicate, Mm -hmm. going on a fast, you know, to fast, you know, looking at anything on my phone or fast my phone, period, and not having meetings. And and, uh, it felt felt like freedom. And I started to get hope, you know, started to get hope when you know, you, you didn't drink for a while. I, well, I didn't see the symptoms or I didn't see, see the hazy eyes or the, you know, or the slurred language, you know, for a couple months. Uh, and it was going to culminate with this trip to Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Like we're going to put a period on the end of this. We're going to stamp this with the seal that we are ready to tackle uh, marriage and, and now ministry. And our kids, and I'm going to preach a word about rest when I come back to our church, about soul care. And it was, I just couldn't wait for this trip. It was like going to culminate it all. And I was going to play golf, and we were going to go to the spa, and we were going to do a luau. And, uh, and I remember even packing for all of this trip that was going to end this season of, of, of really just strife. stress and strife mm-hmm. and, and really start to thrive again. And... Um, But we found out that that was still only the beginning. It was just the beginning. Next time on the Two Equals One Marriage Podcast, I was overwhelmed with rage. I just remember feeling like, you know what? Maybe Jimmy and the kids would be better off without me. I need a minute.